He created the stars. He created the mountains. He created the seas. And he, the creator of the universe, created me. Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our Appleton campus, online campus, Germantown campus, wherever you're viewing. Wherever you're viewing us from today, we're glad that you're with us and we're glad that you're joining us. And uh, I'm glad that uh, the place is pretty full here today, especially for a mid-July uh, in Wisconsin. When we have phenomenal summers here, do we or do we not? I mean, I just, yeah, oh man, this is, and, and uh, I, I've lived here, this is my 14th summer, and so it's just like, wow. So I call all of my buddies in the south who are in the sweltering heat, and it's just crazy, right? Like 105, 99, 100% humidity, and I'm like, man, I'm looking at my car dashboard, and it says it's sunny and 75. I know that's a country song, but man, this is reality that I live in. Sorry, loser. So anyhow, so it's a great place to live. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 17 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Whether you've got it, a paper version, digital version on your phone or a, a reader or an iPad, whatever. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I also want to, um, I know that some of you are in the Appleton campus, some of you are the Germantown campus, some of you are watching online. But at the Germantown campus, this summer we've been doing midweek prayer. Uh, it's just something I really thought we were supposed to do for the course of the summer. And so every Wednesday night, all summer long, 6.30, there's really no formal dismissal. Uh, we'll go about 30, maybe 40 minutes with just a little bit of worship. And then, and then kind of a, a devotional, kind of a, a, uh, kind of a teaching in essence on prayer. And then we just kind of give you the opportunity to pray, and then you can be free to, to leave and come and go as you need. And then there's also uh, child care provided uh, for elementary ages and for early childhood ages. And then also there's, there's uh, Life Church Youth that happens on Wednesday night. And uh, so that's happening every week. And uh, if you happen to be in the Germantown area, you're available. Again, no, no, no pressure. But this Wednesday night, we're really going to have, I'm going to lead kind of in a special emphasis on our country and kind of where we are in the state of what you've seen on the news, what I see on the news. There's a lot. Everybody has opinions. Uh, if you're on any type of social media platform, you will see that very quickly. And the real answer is nobody has the answer. It's, it's the world in which we live in. And, um, and, and, but the Bible speaks to this issue. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to take a minute and just say, because I'm working on, on a message series that I'm going to probably unfold this fall, uh, the book of Daniel, and I started teaching from it a little bit this past Wednesday night, if you were here for the midweek prayer, uh, is probably the most apropos book of where we live in America in the 21st century. Daniel was a young Jewish man who was primed to be the prime minister of Israel, in essence, uh, and was under overthrown by occupancy of a foreign government and lived under three different political regimes, never as a free individual. Yet he kept his devotion to God under these three pagan regimes. Uh, and the Babylonians, the Medes, and the Persians. And, and you know, uh, history bears all of this out. 
And the Bible says of Daniel that he had an excellent spirit in all. It's the only adjective, the only word excellent spirit, that, on, that word excellence is the only adjective used to describe Daniel. No one else in scripture. And so in the middle of modern day Babylon, there's a way to have an excellent spirit. There's a way to do this. And Daniel's key was prayer. It's what got him thrown into the lion's den because he had a devout devotion unto God. And he was relentless. He, he didn't push it. He wasn't, he wasn't mean. He wasn't overt about it. But he was staunch and he was steadfast in his devotion to prayer. And that's one of the values and the characteristics that I think we have to have in the world in which we live in today. If we're going to successfully navigate it with the love of Christ and with grace and with truth, that we both need to kind of, that tension that we have to balance is prayer. And so 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, repent, and turn from their ways, then I, God, will hear from heaven, and I will hear them, and I will heal their land. So Wednesday night, 6.30, the Germantown campus, if you're available, that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through that passage. We're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for our people. We're going to pray for those that serve us and those that are being served and that God will bring reconciliation because this issues these issues are not new issues. This has been going on since the beginning of time and it will not cease completely until Jesus comes back. There'll be a small piece of peace that will take place in the end times the Bible says, but it will only be but for a short season and then the truth will come out. But I just want to lead us and guide us through this time. Uh, in a pastoral way, and just pray. That's simple, and everybody can do that. When I was watching the news on Monday morning, excuse me, Friday morning, and I see the mayor of Dallas, Texas, and the chief of police both calling the city to prayer. Dallas First Baptist is one of the most prominent churches in America. Wasn't the pastor of First Baptist? It wasn't, it, it wasn't the pastor of Preston Rhodes Baptist. It wasn't the pastor of, of Dallas Theological Seminary. It wasn't, it wasn't Chuck Swindoll who pastors in the northern suburb in Frisco or Ed Young Jr. who pastors in the western suburb of, uh, of Grapevine or, or Robert Morris at Gateway in South Lake, which is a northwest suburb. It was the mayor of the city of Dallas. And I said to myself, wow, you know things are bad when government officials... And those who are, who are serving us as civil servants who are trying to be neutral say, it's time for us to pray. But when that shows up, God has an opportunity to move. And that's what's beginning to happen in America. I do believe the Bible says that there will be a great awakening and then the end shall come. I do believe that this crisis becomes fertile soil for God to show up in his spirit and his truth and do something that you and I can't do in our own human ingenuity but can only be done by the spirit of God. So I don't want to preach that message. It's not what I have. But Wednesday night, we're just going to pray. I'm not going to preach it. We're just going to pray. And so if you'd like to come, we'd love to have you come Wednesday night and pray. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. The, the title of today's message is I Am New. So I'm going to give you a statement that basically is the entire message. I could just give you the statement and we could leave. But you don't want to do that. So thank you for that rousing support. Here's the statement if you're taking notes. I am new, that speaks of salvation, comma, I should act different. I am new, comma, therefore I should act different. We're going to come back to that word act. I should act different. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, we're just going to walk through these few verses. He says this, so I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, he's going to explain the futility of the thinking in verses 18 and 19. But he says, no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You have to remember this, this particular book or letter is written to the church in Ephesus, which is composed of Gentiles. And so you basically have Jews, and non-Jews are considered Gentiles. That's how the Bible's kind of divided up, in essence. It's those that are part of the, of the, uh, the blood lineage, right, the, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob from the Old Testament all the way through David, all the way through Jesus, the Jews, God's chosen people. And then it's everybody else, the Gentiles. And so he says, look, don't act like everybody else. Did your mother ever tell you that when you went to school? Don't act a fool, right? I raised you better than this. You weren't taught that? Yes, you were. You're lying, and you're in church, and you go to hell for that, right? <laughs> you, don't, don't, I, you were raised better than this. Don't act like the rest of these people. If everybody else goes and jumps off a bridge, you don't need to go jump off a bridge, right? You, you've been raised different. This is what Paul's saying. Hey, you've been taught differently. Hey, you are saved, therefore you should act different. You have had a, a change in your life. You've had a regeneration in your spirit. Therefore, you must act different. Don't live as everybody else does. If he was writing this in the 21st century, he would say, no longer live as your fellow Americans do in the futility of their thinking. Don't act like everybody else acts. Don't act like everybody at your school acts or everybody at your workplace acts or everybody that everybody acts in, in, in the world in which we live in. You, are, you have been saved. You are changed. God's Holy Spirit is inside of you. Therefore, there should be a different action in your life. And can I just tell you this? Every time somebody who's not a Christ follower comes to Life Church, that's what they're looking for. They're walking in this room, and maybe that's you today, and they're, whether you're in a theater in Appleton, whether you're here in the auditorium in Germantown, whether you're watching online, you're asking this question. Are the other people in that room, are they really that different than the people I work with? Are they really that different than the people that live down the street from me? Are they really that different than the other kids I go to school with? Or are they just like everybody else and they put on their Sunday morning best? That's what Paul's addressing here. You've been saved. You've been changed. So act differently. Look at verse 18 and 19. He talks about the futility of their thinking when he says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Verse 19. They've lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. Which means the sensuality in which they indulge themselves in has no end. They're like a junkie who cannot get his fix. He can never get what he needs to get. I want you to notice here, he says that the hearts are darkened. Why? Because they're without light. Who's the light of the world? Jesus is the light of the world. And when you don't have Jesus in your heart and in your life, your heart grows dark. Things grow dim. Your projection on life grows dim because the light of the world isn't in you. It's not that you're a horrible, terrible person. It's that you've never accepted the light of Jesus Christ into your life. And, and so he's saying, look, the reason why they, there's a futility in their thinking, the reason why there is this, this indulgence to, to sin and all types of, of impure behavior is because there's no light. There's no Christ in them. He's also given this comparison contrast all the way through. And what he is implying here is, is but the light is in you. Therefore, you should act different. He says their hearts are hard. Their hearts are hardened because of this. 
They're actually ignorant. They don't even understand what's going on. This is something I think we as a church need to understand. If you're a Christ follower, you need to understand. Quit expecting the world to act like saved, regenerated, God-fearing people. They're not going to. That's a good time to say amen. Don't expect your government to act that way. Don't expect your boss to act that way. Don't expect fellow coworkers to act that way. Don't expect, don't expect sometimes other people that you see at Life Church act that way. Let me help you with this. I think a healthy church has a third of its people that are mature Christ followers, growing deep in their faith in Christ, and they're serving God. I think a third of the people at Life Church should be new in their faith or new to this faith community, and they're growing and they're learning, which means they're going to make some mistakes. I think a third of a healthy church should be lost, skirt-chasing, cocaine-snorting, just half-lit people that come in that are looking for hope. And you go, that's crazy. No, it's not, because the church is the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You are it. And so people should feel welcome to come in and to sit. And you go, where do you get your theology? Jesus? Isn't that what happened? The religious leaders of the day, the spiritually mature, and their deep flowing robes and their deep voices, and the King James Shakespearean voices, who is this thouest, that thouest are a sinnerist, right? And they just put ist on the end of everything, and it just sounds that way. That's what they said. He eats with the publicans. He eats with the sinners. He eats with the prostitutes. He eats with the, he, he fraternizes with people. He never, embar- he never engages in their sinful activity, nor does he ever condone it. But he, the light of the world, goes into very dark places and sheds light. If you're not a Christ follower today, and you're kicking tires on this thing called faith in Jesus Christ, you are welcome here. That doesn't mean that I'm going to let up on preaching against your sin. Oh, no, baby. It's full throttle. Because I didn't write the book. But it also means that I'm not throwing stones at you because I am I have been a sinner that's been saved by grace. It's been grace that I've been, through grace that I've been saved, and that not of myself. But we live in a world where people have dark hearts and hard hearts because they don't have the light of Christ and they don't feel. Their sensitivity is gone. Does that not describe the world in which we live today? But this was written 2,000 years ago. It's humanity, folks. It's not a place in time. It's not about a group of people. It's about the humanity. It's a depravity of humanity. You give us enough time and enough space, every one of us will mess something up. The only thing that saves us, the only thing that changes us is Jesus. The only thing that makes us sane is Jesus. If you've ever had the unfortunate, I don't want to call it a privilege, but opportunity to see someone who the grace of God has been lifted off of their life, you see them really for what they are. We see each other, you see me, I see you, through a lens where the grace of God has been applied to our life. We're better. We're softer. We're kinder. We're gentler. Why? Because the hope of the world lives in us. The light of Jesus Christ shines through us. It's not our light. It's him. And, uh, but without that, we're these depraved, hardened, darkened individuals. Look at verse 20. Verse 18 and 19 he's referring to. That, all of that activity, however, is not the way of life that you've learned. Again, he's going back to what he said in verse 17. You know better. You have been saved. You should act different. So how do you act different? How do you live different? I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm going to give you a statement here, and I'm going I'm to unpack this, and then we'll be done. God is the teacher, comma, you are the student. God is the teacher, comma, you are the student. 
This is how you act and live differently. You have to understand that God is the teacher, and you're in the classroom of the Holy Spirit, and you're the student. Look at verse 21 and 22. He says, this is when you heard about Christ, and you were taught in him, in accordance with the truth, that is Jesus Christ. You were taught with regard to the former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Look at how many times he's implying this, this, this teacher-student relationship. You were taught, you were to learn the truth that's in Christ. We know that Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. So the word that you have in your, li- in your, in your hand, the Bible, God's word, according to John chapter 1, is all completely uh, enveloped in who Jesus is, the very person, the nature of Jesus. But it's also completely there in your hands. And so he talks about this, you were taught to, with regard to your former life, to put off. You were taught to put off your, 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 your former self. Now again, if you were with me for the series that we did on struggles, which covered Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome. He's also the author of the book of Ephesians, which is written to the church in Ephesus. So it's just the same author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's writing these words. If you didn't, if you weren't here for that, and what I'm about to say really resonates with you, I'd go back. You can go to lifechurchwi.com, and the message series is there, Struggles. And I unpack this in a lot of depth over about a three- or four-week series. But remember, according to Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, when, when, we, when Christ comes into our heart and into our life, when we give our life to Jesus, that's called being saved. It's not about going to church. It's not about perfect attendance at church. It's about, according to Romans 10, verse 9, that when I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I am saved, period. That's how I come into relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes into my heart and into my life when I ask him to. When I confess it with my mouth and I believe it in my heart, he comes into my heart through the person of the Holy Spirit, comes into my heart, and he takes my sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west, which means he remembers them no more. When God forgives, he forgets. We don't do that because we're limited and finite. God is infinite, and he casts it aside when we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John says that. So he comes in, and he regenerates our heart. But what's happening? This spirit of us is regenerated. The spirit of us is what lives forever. The spirit of you and me, that's the real you. That's who's really there. But it's housed in this thing called flesh or your body. And what controls your flesh or your body? Your mind. Right now, your mind is sending messages to tell your lungs to expand and contract so that you can breathe out carbon dioxide and, and, and breathe in oxygen. It, it's, it's, there are so many things that are happening right now in your brain that is sending all types of, it's almost involuntarily. I mean, it's, 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 it, there are just things that are happening. Your eyes, you don't have to think about blinking. You don't have to think about breathing. You don't have to think about sometimes just basic simple movements. You, just, you don't have to think. It's just, it's all an involuntary process. There's a great book called Habits. It was just released this past year by Harvard Business Review. And um, it, it talks about this whole thing about habits in our lives and how things are involuntary in us that just happen, but we learn very quickly. And then, but then there are also learning patterns in which we learn or we unlearn things that are much more intentional in our lives. But it's like doing anything. That's the reason why if you've ever been driving down the road and it's Sunday and you're on your way to church, but you wind up taking the wrong road like you're going to work 
because you're just so used to five days a week going to the plant, going to the office, going to wherever you go to work. It's just this involuntary. Your brain is, your brain is not engaged in what you're doing, and you're simply, or you're, you're, you look up and you, you've had 20 miles of road and you, you don't remember it. You just involuntarily were watching, looking, paying attention, and with the hand and the blessing of God, you got down the road, right? But it's, that's the happening. So what controls those bodily functions? Our mind. So here's the reality, is that the same way that your spirit is regenerated, you have to relearn in your mind so that your body will follow. So you're in the classroom of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying right there. Look back, look, look right there. Verse 22, you were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. You were taught to put off your old self. You were taught. You were taught. That's what you're doing today. You're going back to God's word and you're learning. That's why it's so important that you have a Bible when you're in church. Whether it's a digital version or paper version, it doesn't matter. That you are a student of the word. Now, I, you, you've been to college and you've taken classes and there's two ways you can, you can attend classes. You can audit a class, which means you're listening, right? That's where it comes, it's, it's, it's auditory. I'm, I'm just listening to the class. That's where that word comes from. Or I can take a college class for credit. So if I take it for credit, then I have to read the assignments. I have to do the coursework. I have to turn it in and I'm graded and tested over that. If I'm just auditing the class, there's no pressure. There's no, ex, there's no expectation. I'm just listening. If I am taking the class for credit, I am having to be tested over the material and I have to pass. A lot of people come to church and they audit church. They audit the classroom of the Holy Spirit. They audit this. Because and they, they don't want to be tested on it, and they don't, want, they don't want to do the coursework, and they don't want to have to, because they don't want to have to change the habits. They don't want to have to change their stinking thinking so that their body will follow through. And some of you just think, well, if I get saved, then my mind will automatically connect and my body will follow through. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's called heaven, folks. That's why we get a new glorified body, that the body works with the spirit. But on this side of the planet, according to Romans 6, 7, and 8, there's this struggle that takes place between our spirit and our flesh. So how do we overcome the flesh? First, our spirit's regenerated. We get saved. And then we act different. How do we act different? By changing our mind. And so the question I have for you today is, are you just auditing this or are you taking it for class credit? Because if you're auditing it, you're just sitting there listening. You don't have a Bible in front of you. You're not writing notes. You're not doing anything. I mean, Stanford, uh, Brown, um, Harvard, uh, you, uh, uh, the list goes on and on and on of Ivy League schools that talk about how that people that take notes re retain information 80% better than people that just listen. I, I'm just saying, I, I'm, a, I'm a decently intelligent individual, but I have to take notes. I take voracious notes. Notes and notes and notes. I go through legal pads and legal pads and legal pads of just notes because I want to learn. I want to go. I want to I go down. This message, before I come out and preach it to you, I have taken probably three different sets of notes to, to walk through the material, to diagram it out, then to reduce it, then to reduce it again, to make sure that it's simple, that it's understandable, but it's also applicable so you can live it out Monday through Friday. Because if you don't understand it, who cares? You're just auditorily listening to it. But the question is, are you a student? I know I'm all up in your kitchen right now. That's why it's so quiet. Appleton, I'm sure you're shouting me down right now. I can just feel it all the way. But the reality is, that's the question. 
Because if you're not a student, if you're not taking this, this, this Bible for class credit, if you're not engaged in it, you will never learn how to put the old self off. You will constantly be battling that same stuff over and over and over again. But if you want to crucify the flesh, if you want to put your old man in check, if you want to put him off, verse 22 says, then you're going to have to be a student of God through the classroom of the Holy Spirit and begin to walk this thing out. It's a journey. And it, it's learning, and it's growing, and it's developing. And it's, so the, 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 the question is, is are you learning? How do, and, and so look at verse 23. He talks, tells us how we learn. Verse 23, I'm, I'm made new in the attitude in my mind. That's where all that comes from. My mind. Again, he's, he's telling us that transformative learning takes place in our mind. Our spirit's regenerated, saved at salvation, but the mind controls the body. Therefore, you change the mind, you change the flesh. The key to learning is choice. It's choice. You could check out. And let me help you with this. When I preach a message like this or any other time on the weekends, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I really mean this with all humility. What you do with it is between you and God. I'm not responsible for that. If you look at me like a mule looking at a new gate, that's between you and God. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to serve it up hot and fresh. I'm Krispy Kreme right here, baby. Does that make sense? Whether you consume it or not, that's between you and the Lord. But you know whether you're just auditorily listening or whether you're a student of the word. You know, oh, I know it's getting quiet up in here. Man, I'm getting some church on up in here. I, you know whether that's what you're doing. And some of you are very convicted right now. And that's good. Because you need to get your nose in the book. You need to come to church and bring a pad and a pen and take some notes. Or do it on your smartphone or do it on your tablet. Do it whatever. That's completely fine. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to God. It's, it's what works for you. But learn, learn, learn. Sit at the feet of Jesus and learn. He is the word made flesh. Learn, learn, learn. And every week I'm going to serve it up. And every time somebody's preaching here and speaking here, we're going to go back to what does the Bible say? Not what does Aaron think? Not what does Life Church think? Who stinking cares what Life Church thinks? What does the word of God say? And if it offends you, sorry. If it offends me, sorry. I didn't write the book. You didn't write the book. And look, there's all kinds of things in the Bible that we don't like. Let's just be honest. If I was the editor, there'd be a couple things. I, all the stuff about gluttony would be out of the Bible. <laughs> Amen. I didn't write it. So I can spank this up all day long, but at a certain point, I got to make sure I don't get into gluttony, right? That's my issue. And along with a lot of other things. But I'm just saying, like, we all have our stuff. And so, but we get in here not to condemn one another. Condemnation is a perversion from the pit of hell. But to allow ourselves to be convicted by the Holy Spirit at times. And to nudge us to spur each other on to good works. But that's your choice. There will be a day I will take my wife by the hand. And we won't be the pastors at Life Church anymore. You are not my responsibility from here to eternity. You are my responsibility for this season and this assignment in my life. Do I hope I retire here? You bet. Do I like living in Wisconsin? You bet. Do I think you're amazing? Yes. Do I want to pastor someplace else? No. Thank you, Georgianne. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is my responsibility is not unto you. It's unto the Lord. And your responsibility is not unto me. It's unto him. 
Do you understand that? You're not my people. I'm not a king. Old King Cole was a merry old soul. I'm not a king. I'm your pastor. And my responsibility is to encourage you. My responsibility is to, is, to, is to equip you. My responsibility sometimes is to say, hey, man, let's pay attention here. You're missing it. Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone? That's my job. But I do that unto him. And I send for account for everything that I say to you. So whether you walk out of here and go, that's stupid, I don't like it, that's fine. Look at me, I'm not going to lose any weight or any sleep over it. You understand? I'm telling you, I'm having some Taco John's today for lunch, I'm just saying. But you choose your own actions. That's what I want you to get. The power to choose is yours. God gave that to you. God himself will not violate that. So let me, let, me, let me wrap this up, verse 22 and verse 24. Stop reacting then. Stop reacting. That's what the world does. This is how you behave before you came to faith in Christ. Look at verse 22 again. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He'd already, decide, divine, he already defined the deceitful desires. What do you mean by reacting? Here's what I mean. If I'm led around by my own desires, what I'm simply doing is if I have an impulse, I do it. That's the way the world lives. You know how you go when you're on vacation, you're like, hey, for the next seven days, we're going to eat what we want. We're going to sleep when we want. We're not going to set up an alarm. We're not going to do anything. If I want ice cream at 2 a.m., I'm getting ice cream at 2 a.m., providing I can find somebody to give it to me. But I'm going to get out. Do you understand? I'm, I'm, my diet's off. That's every day of the world for me. Uh, my, my, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. And I'm not preaching against that, so don't, don't misunderstand me. But what, what happens is, is you just allow your impulses and what you want to do. If I want to go watch a movie, if I want to go watch two movies, I'm going to go watch them. If I, if I want to go to the beach, if I want to go to the lake, if I, if I want to go here, if I don't, if I want to take a nap middle of the afternoon, if I want to sleep all day, if I want to stay up all night, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's living life in response to how you are um, impulsively driven. If you go back to verses 18 and 19, he describes that's how the world lives. That's how the other Gentiles live. Is they just live life on, on impulse. So they react to everything. You cut me off, I'm going to cut you off. Uh, 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 you make me mad, I'm going to come back after you. Uh, if, 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 if you, you make me happy, then you're going to be my friend. I'm just going to, I'm just going to impulsively respond and react. And the problem with that is, is that I'm not in control. My desires are in control. I'm not in control. You're in control. How you respond to me dictates whether I'm nice or I'm mean. Your response to me dictates whether I have a good attitude or not. Your response or your actions towards me respond how I'm going to respond to you. And all that scripture, we go, no, make up your mind, decide in your mind. It flows from the issues of your heart. So quit reacting. Does that make sense? Quit reacting. This is the way you used to respond. And start acting. That's the, that's the other thing. You need to start acting, verse 24 says. Start acting. This is how you should live today. You should choose. It's your choice. Start acting. Verse 24, and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Quit responding to sinful impulses. Quit responding to sinful desires. Quit responding to everybody else's anger or happiness around you. That's how you acted before you came to faith in Christ. Verse 18 and 19. Start, verse 24, 
acting. You start choosing. I'm going to have a great attitude. I'm going to be kind. I, I don't care who cuts me off. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to just go right ahead. I, I'm, I'm going to choose how I'm going to act. I'm going to take the power and the control of that back to myself. That's how we fulfill what I said at the very beginning. I'm new, therefore I should act different. And that comes back to a choice. Verse 22, he says, put off the old self. Verse 24, he says, put on the new. Put off the old, put on the new. One thing I love about the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, is that it's word pictures. So the word picture here for put off the old and put on to the new is like a garment. Put off the old garment, put on the new garment. Put off the old self, put on the new self. It's like you walking into your closet today and you turn on the light and you get to choose. Am I going to wear the old garment that's tattered and nasty and stinky and smelly? Or am I going to put on the new garment that's pressed and clean? Every day in your life, you get to choose. You walk into the closet of your life, and before you leave, before you go, before you whatever, you choose. Am I going to put on the old self, or am I going to put on the new self? Let me illustrate this. I have a pair of shoes here. Now, these are my lawn mowing shoes. These are some of my favorite shoes. I, lo I love these shoes. That's how they became my lawn mowing shoes, because they're, they're actually golf shoes, and uh, somebody bought them for me, and I, and I started wearing them, and I wore, wore them to play golf, and they were super comfortable. Like a lot of golf shoes, in my opinion, are very uncomfortable. And so I started wearing them to play golf, and then I, I liked them so much, I'd wear them to, to out, and I'd wear them with jeans, and, and they were black. And they used to be, this used to be white instead of a kind of that dingy yellow that it is now. And, and it was all that. And so then my wife basically said, you can't wear those anymore, and, but they're, they're comfortable. So they become my lawn mowing shoes, right? They also become my I'm going to go to Walmart shoes because I like them. I'm going to go Chick-fil-A shoes. Holla. I, I'm going to go the movie shoes. I pretty much wear them all the time because they're comfortable. So today, I'm sorry, I don't wear socks, especially in the summer, but today I have my Sunday shoes, right? These are my go-to-church shoes, right? These are my nice shoes. But these shoes are not as comfortable. Ladies, you can get, get a witness. These look good. They match the outfit and the belt. See, the belt has to match. Leathers have to match, right? If you didn't know that, guys, let me help you with that. Some of you wear brown with black, and it's very unbecoming. <laughs> but these are my good church shoes. I like these shoes. I love shoes, by the way. Fat people all love shoes because our foot don't change. <laughs> but these shoes here, oh, that feels good. Like, that feels awesome right now. And that's really what I want to do. I want to wear this shoe. Now, on camera, it looks a little nice, but I'm telling you, it's dingy, it's stinky, it's got grass all inside. There's grass clippings around here because I've been I cut the grass in these shoes. But I love these shoes. But this is my old shoes. These are my new shoes. These feel comfortable because this is my own stuff. This sometimes is a little bit uh, rigid because it's new. I got to break it in. I got up this morning, and I made a decision. Am I going to wear my new self or my old self? Am I going to put on the new, or am I going to put on the old? The old always is comfortable. That's just why we go back to sin, always back, because it's comfortable. And, then, and it starts with, well, I'm just going to do it here. 
like mowing the lawn. But then all of a sudden, I, I got to run to Walmart. Well, you know what? I'm going to get something to eat. Well, this is, I'm going to go watch a movie. And then before, I, I'm wearing these all day long. And I just wear them on Mondays. I'm wearing them on Tuesday and Wednesday. And all of a sudden, and then somebody comes and says, hey, man, you got new shoes. New self. You need to start putting this on. It, 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 you're going to have to work into this. You're going to have to develop in this. You're going to have to break this in. You're going to have to change your mindset so that this feels where it's the way it's supposed to. Because this shoe used to feel like this. You make a decision every day of your life. And many of you are walking around in an outfit, because I'm just telling you right now, these don't match this outfit. These match the outfit and the belt, just saying. And you, but you walk around, and it doesn't match. Because this is your old self instead of putting on your new self. You choose. You've been saved, so act differently.